0: Shepard was asking for it for three. he felt it, didn't he? He was begging. Oh, what a play by
1: Matt Mitchell. So Watson sees a lane, takes it underneath. Montana three. Come on! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. This Tech Nation. What is up? This is the Aztec Breakdown podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone. I am joined today by the wonderful Car Car McGee. Carly, how you doing?
0: Doing great. I'm excited to be talking about basketball today because our last football podcast a little rough, and the season's coming up on us. It's sneaking up here, so excited to get on.
1: It's it's always nice to talk about basketball when football is is letting you down ever so slightly shall we say um yeah so so you can follow the squad right you can follow me at aztec breakdown you can follow carly at car car mcgee you can follow everyone else you got austin at it's austin bolton you got jacob at aztec analytics you have kyle at call me kinslow make sure to follow everybody make sure to to like subscribe to the show do all the things um, leave a comment comments really help us out and I was just telling Carly off air how much I appreciate the comments and I think how much we all appreciate the comments I always share them out with everybody so leave a comment if you feel able and feel so inclined you can also help support the show financially through either Spotify or Patreon so do that if if the spirit moves you um, but it is by no means required First, let's get through some announcements. So when I wrote this, it wasn't officially announced yet, but it was kind of known regardless. And Austin and I talked about it last week, but it has been officially announced. Agueka Rope has been named the Director of Player Development. Carly, are you excited? How excited are you is what I should say. We're definitely (laughs) going to ask the leading question.
0: We know that I'm excited. So (laughs) it was funny. In the off-season, I was talking to Austin. I was like, you know, do I need a new identity next year? Do I need to hang up the AG and seven Jersey and like retire it after that season? But with Absolutely this not. news, I kind of feel like I got to keep it. I got to keep it mm-hmm. going. So, you mm-hmm. know, he's still going to be sitting on that bench and um man, I'm just so excited. I think that the entirety of his time as a player, he has been, in this space of coaching others, making other people better. And for him to be able to pivot this into a profession, I'm really excited to see it. I mean, we all speculated on it a bunch and had a feeling he'd stay close to the program, but, you know, talk about jumping right in. It's also a big job for a young guy. So it'll be really exciting to see him get in there. I know the guys will be excited to have him around, but Mm -hmm. seeing him develop as a professional is something that I'm looking forward to.
1: It's it's a tough jump to make over the course of one off season going from teammate to coach. Um, and we're not going to see any of that behind the scenes stuff, right? But I know like like when I was in teacher school, for lack of a better word, they wouldn't let us they, – They one, if you were – especially if you were young, they wouldn't let you teach um, like seniors, especially if you're like 20 or 21 and you're in school, you're not teaching seniors or probably not teaching juniors or even sophomores. Cause there just isn't enough of a difference. They're going to see you as a peer instead yeah. of like a teacher or a mentor. Um, I think it would be fun to see like how AG handles that. I also thought, and this isn't, this isn't a, a mark on him at all. It, it's more just a, a thought that I found kind of funny, but I, I found it, Almost ironic that the guy who was famous for never practicing is now like in charge of the guys practicing, right? Um, I think he's gonna be great at it, right? But it, I thought that was ironic.
0: Well, it's actually a good point that you make. And Austin and Jacob were just recording earlier for their uh, spread offense show, but they did talk about this very, very briefly. And I think it actually was, you know, AG might not have been practicing, but he was around the team. And so it might be more of a seamless transition than we think about how he steps into that role. You know, he's not physically out there, but he's mentally there. He's coaching them up. Mm -hmm. He's, he's giving input. And honestly, from the flip side, I feel like it'll be interesting to be in his shoes to how badly is he going to wish he could get out there, you know, in a Jersey on those days where we're going to miss his you know, his body, his, his octopus arms and, and all the things he did special for our team. So excited to see this. um, And I'll definitely at least sometimes be rocking that Jersey again this year. It looks like.
1: One more announcement. Um, I, I posted this on Twitter. I, I, I got a rumor, but I do tend to as much as I like reasonably can being so far away. I do try to like vet my sources as much as possible, but I heard a rumor that a guy who was the number one passer in the high school ranks in the nation last year, like he threw for the most yards in the nation, uh, is interested in playing for San Diego State. And this is a basketball podcast, but I I, I wanted to to throw it out there. I thought it was kind of exciting. Um, like many of the fans that have responded on twitter i was very much at first like skeptical like why you know (laughs) that's what i was Uh, gonna say so i so i i totally understand that that inclination um i i probably shouldn't go on a tangent i do think some of the fans are are taking it like one step further and like providing reasons why talented players shouldn't come and i'm like are you are, are you actually a fan? Is this, this not a great <laughs> yeah. look, but, well, but toxic. I don't, I, a little bit, but I, you know, I thought it was interesting. It does seem um, at least somewhat legit, right? Which isn't to say that he's going to commit for sure, but just that this is a kid who has shown interest. Um, I don't know how much interest the coaches have shown in him necessarily. Um, but hopefully they do. I feel like if if you're a guy who led the nation in passing, if there's even a 1% chance of him coming to San Diego State, the coaches have to go for it, right? Am I? Can you think of a reason why they shouldn't?
0: No, definitely not. And I think that's something that there's been a little of that around our coaching staff in the past. It's like there's been a dynamic where it's been observed that they give up on players when there's a lot of competition, you know, mm-hmm. power five competition coming in and swooping them that there's even been players that have commented that like the San Diego state guys backed off a little when, you know, the heavy hitters came in the door. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I hope that's not true. And I hope it's just a, you know, excuse making for why we don't land those kids. Uh, I would love it. If there was some trick to it, I do have the same kind of initial skepticism, but it does, Mm -hmm. to put a basketball spin on it, it makes me think a little bit about Darian Trammell and the off season when he was transferring and when he saw us play and, you know, the thing he said to himself was, I can help that team. And so is there some element of you identify a place where you can still be a big fish and you can make a real difference? So maybe, maybe there's some of that at play.
1: I that that was kind of if I if I were to talk myself into it that would be the thing. It would be like can I go to a place where I can have a good shot at starting right away, right? And and really turn a program around. I think I think I don't know how much you play video games. Um if you look at if you look at the announcements for like the new uh, like NCAA football games that are coming out. Everybody talks about how what they used to do with the old NCAA football games is find the worst team in the game and try and build them up into a national contender, right? And I'm like, maybe this kid has some of that in him and feels like he could, I don't know. It, it's definitely like kind of grasping at straws, but also, like I said, like I, I checked it out as much as I reasonably could. And it seems not that they're the favorite, but that there is some interest. And I they gave me a little optimism, a little hope.
0: I like it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I think with football right now there's you know, some some tough feelings and so if there's something to look forward to even if it's you know, 12 months from now, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. let's get into the basketball. Last week Austin and I talked about the guards. Um if you haven't yet, please go go listen to that show. Carly, we're going to be talking about the wings today. Um I I tend to not use like the traditional five positions everybody's either just a guard a wing or a big just for the listeners in case you're curious as to why so today we're going to be talking about three players we're going to be talking about reese waters He is no longer reese dixon waters or or at the very least has asked not to be referred to as reese dixon waters he's just reese waters um so we're going to talk about him we're going to talk about micah parish and we're going to talk about miles Bird, and, and the reason these three are classified as wings is is mostly based off of their, their play style. Bird is a little bit of a projection because he didn't play as much, but these guys in the last year they played, whether it was for San Diego State or not, it was a lot of uh, spot-up type plays, whether they're you know relocating or if they're just literally standstill shooters um, or attacking off the catch and a lot of transition play. For all of them, and we see less um pick and roll, and we see less uh cuts to the basket and post ups and things like that, so that's why they are wings, just in case anyone was curious. Carly, do you have one you would like to start with? I mean
0: i maybe just generally, I'll start for what I'm excited about, you know mm-hmm. in this in this group, and to me, looking at these three names. This is the first time I felt like there really hasn't been an identity in this role for the Aztecs for quite some time. You know, we've had Matt Bradley, big star, and, you know, we really had some strength with Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle. Like there's been some guys that have played this role for the Aztecs for a pretty good stretch here. Um, And so while that maybe worries me a little, it also excites me. Like I'm really looking forward to seeing This battle and and maybe Micah I think deserves to be the first name we dive into because when I look at this you know he's certainly the veteran experienced player and who I would determine as a front runner for a starting spot.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, having a year of experience in the program on top of uh, being more of a veteran, right? Bird also has that year of experience, but he is a redshirt freshman. I'm pretty sure. I was talking to one of his trainers maybe somebody somebody in in relation to him and his camp um and they kind of confirmed for me a while ago that that bird redshirted his freshman year due to the injuries they just decided it would be better um which is great four more years of bird maybe um also also would be great if he leaves early for the nba that's you know get that money
0: Um, that's a win for him for sure (laughs) And, and our and our resume
1: so micah right? Had, I think a good year, maybe not like a great year, but absolutely did what he was supposed to do. Right. Came in and played his role and was, was good at it. Um, the highlight of the year is probably the buzzer beater against UC Irvine, where he hit it from the left side, even though he was supposed to be on the right side. And there was the whole like thing where he asked Adam Seiko to switch sides because he's better shooting (laughs) from that side. Right. That was a pretty fun story. Um, I I do think he can slash should challenge for a starting spot based off of what we saw last year. One thing that I'm concerned about and I want to get your thoughts on is if you look at the end of the year last year, specifically like the March madness tournament, they weren't his best performances. And I remember thinking when I was watching live that, that something was up, not so much physically, not so much that he was injured, although he might've been, but he just seemed more like frustrated when things didn't happen the way that maybe they usually would have, which is understandable. Um, and I think that that showed up in the box score. I think he was Oh, for five or Oh, for six against UConn. And I think he was, he was like two for six against FAU and then another Oh, for six against Creighton. Um, Furman was a good game. I think he had like 17 points there, but, but a lot of not great games until, until, the very end where he would like play some good defense. And I felt like every game ended with Micah Parrish getting the rebound that kind of closed out the game, which was kind of fun. Um, But with, with all that in mind, are you worried about kind of, you know, we talk about guys building up momentum for the next season when it's good. Do you think that works the other way as well? Do you think like Parrish might start slower after kind of finishing slower?
0: I can see the argument, but for me, what I observed with Micah was a lot about, forcing it, you know, forcing it on mm-hmm. this big stage and feeling that's like you know, he knows it. that he can have these kind of games where he's hitting, hitting buzzer beaters, you know, throwing mm-hmm. in te- 17 points and really contributing. But that's what I think I saw with him. And so it was less about something being off and more about, you know, being comfortable on that stage, figuring out your role and not trying to, you know, be the star when you have it the team around you that's going to hopefully make you better. So with Micah, I mean, I'm not really concerned about him at all. I think there's a lot of things in his favor with, you know, as you mentioned, having a year under his belt in this system. I think that really is more important than anyone really talks about. They talk about San Diego State as such a unique system to get into that you need that year to learn. We saw Jaden Ledee struggle a little bit, same in the same way. And I think that year on our team, averaging 21 minutes per game, like that's going to be huge for him. So he's already an advantage there. And what I've observed a little bit in the off season from him, and this is, you know, not scientific, it's on social media, it's at appearances with the team, et cetera, is what appears to be a real step into a more vocal and more assertive role with the team. You know, he, I think last year I, I watched him kind of play a quieter role. He was definitely figuring out his position, but now he's, you know, he's doing videos and he's he's a real kind of different presence. I think he did a takeover one day and they showed him at practice. And he, the the attitude that I observed there was like really great. And, and he has a little bit of a like killer instinct that I think we saw flashes of a lot last year. And mm-hmm. to me, I think the idea that, He's not a shoe in for a starter spot, but that he's, you know, a, a real contender for one. I think he's the kind of person that's going to thrive off of that. That that's what I think we're going to see from him. And whether he wins it or not could have some impact on what we see from him. But I think I think he's loving this.
1: Do do you? If you're in charge of the team, do you start him? Do you think?
0: I think probably yes.
1: If, if, if you're, I Coach mean, Carly, I think starting. <laughs>
0: I think yes. I mean, I think and I think if I'm Coach Dutcher and knowing what Dutch has done in the past, like he's a pretty Mm -hmm. traditionalist, like he tends to lean towards his veterans, he tends to kind of respect that hierarchy a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. I imagine that is what will will happen. I mean, Reese Waters, who we'll talk about a little bit in more depth, but when he committed so early, I wondered if there were some promises made around starting. And you know, as six man of the year in the Pac twelve, you would think that he would transfer to a place where he was kind of guaranteed a starting spot. However, yeah. after that point, the, I've heard the coaches say that this is a competition, and so, which I don't think was the case when Darian came, because I think that was pretty clear. Like. And it's been spoken that Darian was told he would start. And I assume that's carrying over to this year. I'm wondering if that's not true and that, you know, Micah will get the edge unless he gets beat. And in that case, like, may the best man win.
1: Yeah, it's, it is. I'm glad you brought up Darian because I, I remember, I think it was my first year of Aztec breakdown. Maybe it wasn't. I'm going off a little bit here. Somebody, I don't remember who, somebody, transferred to the program and I was talking about them in some way and somebody mentioned kind of like you just said, like they they wouldn't have come if they weren't promised a starting spot. And that was something early on, I hadn't even considered that, right? It was just, you know, the coaches always say it's an open competition, so it must be. And then I was like, you know what, that's kind of a good point. And then the next year I think, uh no, it wasn't the next year. Some other year Terrell Gomez committed. And I remember kind of applying that same thing. Like Gomez probably doesn't come if he's not guaranteed a starting spot. And then he didn't start right away. And I was like, this is interesting. And it kind of goes to what you were saying about like, you know, maybe some players are told like, we want you to come in and start. The starting spot is yours, provided you don't lose it, like at the very least, right? Right. Um, Versus maybe maybe some others are told like, we want you to come in. We think you can play a great role, but you're going to have to earn whatever minutes you get. It's... It's an interesting dynamic and, and 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 even to the point of like, is it even a promise at that point if you say we want you to start as long as you don't, you know, blow it, basically? Um <laughs> I don't I don't know. It it gets it gets interesting. It it does kind of segue us into talking about Reese Waters a little bit because I had a conversation on Twitter just yesterday, I think, um, with with someone who suggested that Reese waters would be better off the bench. And that's what he's shown, right? He was the sixth man of the year in the pack 12. So would it be better to keep him coming off the bench and let someone else like Micah Parrish, who would give more size to the lineup and also, uh, has that year of experience and everything. And then let Reese just cook against opposing bench units. um, that was a suggestion that was made. I've been kind of thinking Reese is going to start kind of like you just said, like, is he going to come if he's not thinking it's a relatively safe bet that he starts? I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts on, on it's, I feel like it's been hard to find tape on Reese, but from what you have seen, do you think he'd be better on the bench?
0: You know, to me, when I look at his stats from SC last year, he played close to starters minutes. So like, yeah, is there really a difference? I mean, he was playing 25 minutes a game. Um, you know, like and they're
1: just about led the team last year for San Diego State.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and because and, Mike is at a disadvantage there, I think he averaged 21 minutes a game. And so thinking about Reese, ugh, the only, I mean, he would dominate if he came in as off the bench, you know, if we're thinking about, you know, that first line shift dynamic in the Mountain West competition, he's going to go up against like that would be a real pack, a real punch, kind of in the way you and Austin talked a little bit about, you know, is there a world in which there's a split of Darian and Lamont in mm-hmm. some of those roles and Darian okay. kind of running that second unit? Um I don't think he would be better or worse, really. You know, I just I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see how he's clicking with this team. I think it will be and and this is a note I have on Miles too, like, where's the chemistry? Like who's finding each other, you know, as you know, which of these wing guys is going to step in, you know, and get big numbers shooting, of course, but like, who's going to be the facilitator? And Mm -hmm. that's something I'm hoping to see from whomever kind of gets the most minutes here. So it is really hard to say. I mean, the difference between Reese and some of those other transfers that we mentioned is he's coming, he's one of those that's coming from a big program. And a lot of the guys that have come to San Diego State are not making that type of transition. So, how he's adjusting to that, I think, will be interesting. I, you could imagine a world in which he would have an expectation of kind of being, you know, big man on campus. But at the same time, you know, he's known a lot about this Aztec system. He was recruited by us out of high school. Like this is the way we play basketball in the even playing field that's set, you know, even in the culture, you know, think about the Mesa Foundation stuff. There's a lot of equity across the board. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if we gave Micah four more minutes every game. I think these guys' stats, would their stat lines would be almost on par when you look at last Mm -hmm. season averages. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the other major difference is Micah's, you're older, you're more of experience, you know. (laughs) One big dig on USC, they didn't make it to the national championship game. So getting that experience on those (laughs) stages, I think, is important. Uh, It brings a little bit of confidence and a little bit of swagger. So...
1: Yeah, it, it. I thought it was a very interesting, interesting conversation, um, and that, and that this this gentleman was was not making bad points at at all. Right, I'm not trying to to uh, call him out or anything. Um, it really interested me because, like, he did win six man of the year in the Pac-12. So, what could he do in the Mountain West, coming off the bench? Um, I do think there will definitely be some some type of like. Staggering between the two, between Waters and, and Micah, when you look at when you look at their synergy stats, they are very similar in terms of like distribution of play types. Like they're they're both right about at around thirty percent of their possessions come in in spot up situations, right? So that's catch and shoot, that's attacking a closeout, anything like that. Um, and then another twenty percent come from transition opportunities right whether that's whether that's them handling the ball themselves or filling a lane whatever it might be so they're both like half of their possessions come from these two types of play types so in that way it's it's a lot like you said like if you give them equal minutes and an equal role i I don't know how much how much different it would be um would would you consider sorry everybody that's my dog. Um, he wanted to join you, the
0: conversation. It's he, good
1: stuff. He has some uh, opinions, and he wears his lucky red and black bandana every game day for good luck nice. that the Aztecs win, so he does his part. Um, would you consider playing both of them um, together specifically with one of them as like a like an undersized, like a stretch four type of guy?
0: I thought about that. I mean, when I look at their size and, and frankly, when I was kind of sizing up all three of these guys, I was mentally interviewing for like a Matt Bradley replacement, right? Like, so looking mm-hmm. at body type, looking at height, what, thinking about where Matt struggled last year, you know, recent is stronger, I would say, um, but a little shorter. So I, I don't know who mm-hmm. would slot into that role, but it would be interesting to see. And I think, you know, with this philosophy of positionless basketball, it's worth, it's worth trying. I mean, we're going to yeah. have some early games where we can hopefully see some of these lineups and similar to last year, you know, we had a ton of talent. So having some versatility in that space wouldn't be the worst thing. And, and I'll pull that even further back into, I'd say the same thing about miles, but on the other, in the other direction and thinking about him as like a ball handler. And, um, you know, all three of these guys, I think do have some versatility. I think where the one thing I think about is when I'm talking about the Matt Bradley replacement, I do think about Micah in his slight height advantage being something that could be helpful. I mean, where we saw Matt struggle the most last year was against really tall teams. And, you know sizing up there, and you know Matt was nothing if not strong in a bully, but you know sometimes he got hammered and he wasn't getting fouls mm-hmm. because he didn't look mm-hmm. like he needed to be felt sorry for um so I don't know, I mean, I think that could factor in, and I'll be interested to see how they put him together because I think with the uncertainty in the bigs too, you know, and who's gonna play at that five spot. I think there's going to be a lot of movement basically from like three, four, five, where we see some, maybe some crazy conversations that were combinations that will make Austin pull his hair out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's really going to happen for any like extended time, but like in theory, you could play all three of these guys together in one lineup with like a Lamont and a Ladie or a Pal or whoever. Um, and I think that would, that would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Miles, look at it. He's six, seven and his goal is to be to 205 pounds by November. So let's see if that happens. That'll change the game.
1: Which is, which is a much healthier weight. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a sports trainer or whatever, but that's just a much healthier weight for his, for his, uh, size, his height. Um, and And one day I will weigh less than him, but you know, that's a discussion for a different time. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Speaking of speaking of miles, you talked about maybe he gets some like ball handling responsibilities in certain situations, right? I, what I liked about him coming out of high school and I I wrote about this on the website was that he seemed like a, a Jack of all trades, but a master of none. Right. So he could do everything relatively well in high school the the biggest weakness was probably like his his three ball right shooting from deep he he wasn't as good at that as you would hope a wing would be but he was probably better at a couple other things than you would think wings would be um with that in mind i mean he's had a year to develop right he he redshirted his freshman year he did get some playing time i think he had 20 minutes against occidental and i think it was like 11 against Kennesaw state and all the other ones were like one to three minutes. Um, so those are the two big ones. So we didn't get to see a whole lot of him. So it's, it's always hard to project these things, but knowing kind of what he was in high school and that he's had a year to develop and, and build on his body. Like you said, what, what do you think? What are first, what are your expectations? And like, do you think the expectations that maybe you've seen from other fans are reasonable?
0: I I hope so. I mean, I think everybody's expecting to see a lot out of Miles this year and particularly, you know, both him and Elijah Saunders and, and the leap that they make. I think Dutch talked a couple of different times about the real development that could happen between that freshman and sophomore year and, you know, just the anatomy of that change and being in a college program for a year. And and if you look back at Reese Waters and his stats at SC from freshman to sophomore year, there was a huge jump too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if, if Miles is making a proportionate leap forward, I think we're in for some good times. I mean, I think, that what we saw out of the swish league a little bit showed some glimpses of him. You know, he's not getting bodied the way he was before that 15, 20 pounds he's put on. I think is, I think that's the differential here. I think him being able to hold his own is going to be a game changer. You know, he's not going to just get hammered and he has a little more option to, to move around. You know, he doesn't have to stay outside. So that, that versatility I think will be helpful. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see his three-point shot and how that's developed. I think that is something that people have talked about making progress, but I also think there's something to be said for having to see that in game action. And, and you know, that was true for Michael last year. Everybody was saying mm-hmm. he's the best shooter in practice, even better than Seiko. Um, so can this translate to game minutes? And that'll that'll be a big tell because he's the least experienced of
1: this crew. Yeah. Yeah, between the three. Least least experience for sure. Did you Arguably, did you see any video
0: of him from Swish League or and, and watch any of that to kind of did
1: I, you notice I, anything? I didn't really watch Swish League um at all at all this year. When does Swish League happen? Is it like in June? It's July.
0: it's July, I think. Yeah. Is it
1: July? I, I didn't watch very much this year. Um, you know, I I had just started a new job relatively recently and I was kind of focused on that and I I also – if if I lived in San Diego, I would be going to the games just for the experience, I think. Um, you don't get that experience watching it on True. wherever they they post it. And I they've changed where they post it every year, I feel like. So it's like it's always hard to find it. Um, and then lastly, like I just – the more I've watched it, the more I feel like I can't take very much from it. Not as much as I would want, right? Like it yeah. –
0: it's it's, distro- yeah, it's, it's, it's it's backyard basketball.
1: It's yeah, it's 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 a pickup game essentially, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It can still be really fun to watch, like I said. And I would go if I lived in the area. Um, but when it first started, I was very much like, "What can we learn about these players?" And it's not it's not nothing. Um, but it it for the amount of time and energy I was putting into watching these games and trying to dissect everything, I was actually like, "It's not." translating as much as I would have hoped it would have. So I didn't watch it very much this year. Um, might get back into it in the future when things kind of settle down. But that that was that. I did see, uh, didn't he have some big play against another Aztec player? I'm trying to remember. Maybe that was last year, actually. I might be misremembering. I can't
0: remember exactly. That's Austin and I also don't live in San Diego, but we were doing what you were describing, trying to digest as much mm-hmm. as we could of it. Um, and man, I was so bummed. We missed twice. We had Darian and Micah both made appearances in the True League up here in LA, and we wow. didn't see them. And we were kind of rolling the dice. They don't post rosters and stuff because every now and then yeah. it's, you know, Kyrie Irving that shows up. Um, mm-hmm. But as a side note, we did get to see Matt Mitchell, which was very cool um, play in the drew league. So you're right. I mean, maybe I should temper my expectations, but you know, in that off season, when I think we're all hungry for basketball updates, you know, hearing good news out of there for a young player, a talented young player like miles was kind of giving me like the evil grin. Okay. Let's, let's see. And, and I think, With Reese and with Micah, like, to me, in my head, I can't think of their natural, like, kind of chemistry partner on the court. And I think, you know, the friendship and on-court relationship that we're going to start to see, hopefully, between Elijah and Miles is something that could be a factor. I mean... You bring all this talent together, you assume you can field a great team, but a lot of this is about them figuring out their roles and their place on it. So uh, those two are, I think, at an advantage in some ways. Like if they're really finding ways to click um, and play together, that could be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think what I'm most excited about between these three is it. it feels like it's probably the deepest like wing rotation the team has had for for a couple years at least um at at the very least since like Mitchell and Shackle were on the team and maybe even longer than that honestly not to say that these guys will reach the level of Mitchell and Shackle but but just the the depth and the versatility of the team it feels like there's been the last couple years a lot of good guards and some good bigs um and not a lot on the wing and this year feels like there's there's a good amount on the wing more so than there has been recently um which is which is exciting for 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 me at, at the very least hopefully for everybody else too um carly do you have any any closing thoughts anything we missed or anything you want to put out there into the ethosphere
0: yeah i mean you know i i think i'm excited about the same thing that you described, although it is my one seed of worry, you know, the lack of identity in this group and who's going to be the star because we've had the Matt Bradley. And then, you know, I do think there's some space in here where we're going to miss the KJ role, you know, and obviously he didn't usually play exactly where these guys will, but mm-hmm. there was some defensive prowess. Um, and there was some generation of those big, that big moment basketball that, you know, we didn't see from Micah. I don't know that we'll see from miles yet. And maybe that's, maybe that's an X factor that Reese can bring to the Mm -hmm. team. So I think mainly like this team feels like it's going to look really different from last year. And I have no idea what that's going to look like. So I'm really excited and love that. We're breaking, spending some time to break this down. Um, And yeah, that, that first game is going to be here before we know it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean the ring ceremony game, And then even before that, like that exhibition that they always do, I'm going to start propping that up right now because every year a bunch of people ask me, like, hey, where do you get the live stream for the game? And I'm always like, it's on the Facebook group. And and a lot of years I've spent like half the game just like sending the link out through Twitter. Like this is where you can watch it. And so I end up not even watching the game. Um, I think last year I finally corrected myself. But like I might just start propping that up right now um i know
0: we'll have to we'll have to get someone who's committed to streaming it and is just gonna do it because i last i think the very first exhibition last year was like literally sd sports fiend on twitter was was filming the game and streaming it on yeah. facebook live
1: so i think, I think there were thank two you people last year or maybe it's two years ago there are two people it doesn't matter yeah whoever, whoever it was if it was fiend if it was somebody else like shout out to you guys absolutely Um, yeah, it's always just somebody early. So we can just put it it out there and leave it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I will prop that up and give you all the views or whatever. Um, absolutely. With that, I think that does, it's, it's a bit shorter episode. It's a bit quicker, but that's okay. That's kind of part of the hope here of breaking it up into, into spots like this. So I think that does it for this one. Aztec Nation. Sounds
0: great.
1: And we will catch you next time.
0: Go Aztecs. on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up and he wins it! He wins it with the jumper! Coast in for the layup. Franklin with two seconds forces the shot. It's good. The end second finish. They won it on the shot by the players of the year. Miller, he put it behind his back. It's taken away by Butler. Love it up.
1: Love it down. Big finish. Keyshawn
0: Johnson. Now we have tasted it. We're we'll coming back.
1: We're we'll coming back.